So there was this guy. He actually was a drunk, and he was walking along the river bank, and he noticed a group of people there, and it was a church Sunday afternoon having a baptismal service. And so he wandered down into the water where the pastor was baptizing, stood next to the pastor, and he looked at, the pastor looked at him and said, good man, are you ready to find Jesus? And then he just dunked him. And he came up in the water and, and he said, did you find Jesus? And the drunk said, no, sir. He said, he said, brother, are you ready to find Jesus? And so he dunked him again. He held him a little bit longer in the water and came up and he's wiping his eyes. And did you find Jesus? He said, he said no preacher. And he said, young man. And he dunked him again. And he held him down about 30 seconds. He came up and he said, did you find Jesus? And he wiped his eyes and said, are you sure this is where he fell in? <laughs> well, this morning we're going to talk about baptism. We've been doing this series entitled God's Grand Story, the New Testament. Seeing the whole New Testament, breaking it up in big pieces and seeing how it flows. We're breaking the New Testament into seven parts. Number one, Jesus comes. Number two, Jesus ministers. Number three, Jesus dies and lives. And number four is the church begins. Number five is the letters of the Apostle Paul to the churches. Number six is letters from, we'll call them, we'll call them general epistles or general letters from others to the churches. And then number seven, the book of Revelation. So that really is the whole New Testament broken up into big pieces. And right now we are focusing on the first part, Jesus comes. So far we talked about the genealogy of Christ. And then we last week looked at the forerunner of Christ, John the Baptist, and his life and his message. Jesus said John was the greatest who had ever been born of women up to that time. And he points really, and we see as we look at his story, why. Last week we saw the reason John the Baptist was the greatest is because he knew who he wasn't. He knew he wasn't the light. He was only there to point to the light, to point to Jesus. He knew it wasn't all about him. It was all about Jesus. And we see in his life that he continued to focus on the fact that he wanted to decrease, that Christ might increase and that's what made him so great, was his humility. Remember, humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. And John the Baptist wasn't thinking of himself at all. It was just all about Jesus. So this morning, we're going to jump back into this story and focus on part of the ministry of John the Baptist and this transition to the focus being on the ministry of Jesus. And we're going to begin to look at the baptism of Jesus. Now, John the Baptist is out in the wilderness, and he's baptizing. Hundreds and hundreds of people are coming to him to be baptized. Let's pick up that story in that passage. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. It says, Then Jerusalem was going out to him, to John the Baptist, and all Judea, and all the district around the Jordan. And they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. 
So these, they were coming out, they were repenting of their sins. They were doing a 180. Repentance is a 180. You're going this way, and it's a turn around, away from sin and self, and now you're going this way to follow God's way. So they're doing a 180. They're turning away from their sinfulness, their self-centeredness, and they're being baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. By the way, this is a beautiful picture of when they're being baptized of Again, this is a symbolic, and it's a picture, but it's a beautiful picture of their sins being washed away in the Jordan. Now, obviously, the dirty waters of the Jordan River couldn't wash away their sins. It's a picture. It's representing the fact that as they repent, they confess and repent of their sins and turn to God, they are being forgiven, and the picture is their sins are washed away in these waters. Keep that in mind, that's an important picture. Because then Jesus comes to John at the Jordan River to be baptized. Think about this, Jesus, the sinless Savior, has come to be baptized. Everyone else is coming to be baptized because of their sin. Jesus, the sinless Savior, is coming to be baptized by John the Baptist. This ought to cause us to be a little curious, at least, Questioning why, but John the Baptist was also questioning why. Why does he come to be baptized? But let's just jump in now to the Gospel of John, this version, and see if we can find out one of the reasons why Jesus came to be baptized by John. Pick it up in John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day he saw Jesus coming to him. This is John the Baptist. He sees Jesus coming to him. And said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he on behalf of whom I said, After me comes a man who is, has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. I did not recognize him, but so that he might be manifested or revealed to Israel, I came baptizing in water. John testified, saying, I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained upon him. I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. So John the Baptist says that the reason he came baptizing was so that Jesus might be revealed to Israel. In other words, his public baptism would be his emergence, Jesus' emergence onto the world stage, the beginning of his ministry, the identification of who he is, that this is the one, this is the Messiah, this is the Son of God. So John the Baptist points out one of the reasons why Jesus came to be baptized was so that he would be revealed to Israel as the one, as the Messiah, the Son of God. But there's another reason that he came to John to be baptized, and we find out what that reason is in Matthew chapter 3, Verse 13 through 15. So let's look at this. 
Matthew 3.13, then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answering said to him, permit it at this time. For in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him. So what does it mean? Now John the Baptist, we clearly understand why John the Baptist said what he said. He said, you don't, you don't need to be baptized me. I need to be baptized you. We don't understand why John might say that and think that. The sinless Savior doesn't need to be baptized by me, he's thinking. I, a sinful man myself, need to be baptized by him. We understand why John the Baptist would say that. But why would Jesus say, no, it's fitting to fulfill all righteousness that this happens? Now, if we think about the baptism that John was administering, I want you to think about what's happening here at the Jordan River. People were coming there under conviction of the Spirit of God, very conscious of their sinfulness. And they want their sins washed away. So they were, they're coming in repentance. They're coming and being baptized in the Jordan River. And it's the picture now of in their repentance and faith, their sins are washed away in the Jordan River. A beautiful picture. It's understanding that John would say to Jesus, you don't need this because you don't have any sin. That's basically the thought. You don't need your sins washed away. You're the sinless Savior. But Jesus basically says, no, I need to do this, John. Now, it's not because Jesus was repenting from his sins. He had no sin. But because something is about to be done that is visual and symbolic and pointing to something else. Think about this for a moment. Jesus comes down, the sinless one, comes down into the sin-polluted waters of the Jordan River. The waters that all these sins of hundreds and thousands of people have been washed away. This is the picture now. In the Jordan River, Jesus, the sinless one, comes into the Jordan River and he goes underneath those waters and the very sins of all those people come upon the sinless one. This is the picture that we need to get. Why is this so important? Because something Jesus says later tells us why this is so important. Luke chapter 12, verse 50, Jesus says this later in his ministry. Luke 12, 50, but I have a baptism to undergo. And how distressed I am until it is accomplished. Jesus is talking about the cross. I have a baptism to, to undergo. I've got to go to the cross. The context is clearly a reference to going to the cross. To do what? At the cross, he's going to take the sins of the whole world upon the sinless one. He's going to absorb those sins. And then he's going to die really absorbing the judgment due to those sins. So he's talking about this real baptism he's headed for where he's going to take the sins of the world upon himself and he's going to 
Take all that shame, guilt, sin, absorb that judgment, and die on the cross in our place. Now, what's happening when he's baptized in the Jordan River is a prophetic type and pointing forward to the cross. He's going to go in, the sinless one's going to go into the sin-polluted river of Jordan, and all that water is going to come over him. This is a picture of the sinless one, again, taking the sins of the world upon himself. Jesus knows that he needs to be baptized because his whole ministry is about going to the cross, and this is a picture of it. Here's the picture of the cross. Jesus takes our sin. When we believe in him, repent and believe in him, he gives us his righteousness. There's this great exchange. He takes our sin, gives us his righteousness. The Jordan River, this is a prophetic type looking forward where the sins of the world come upon Jesus so that the people might be free from those sins. There's so much going on here that's so beautiful. I want to talk about it a lot more. But I want you to begin to think about what's happening here at the baptism of Jesus. But I want to really finish these thoughts next week because I want to segue this morning to focus on our baptism for a moment. Because there's something that we need to really understand about why it's so important that everyone who repents and believes in Jesus is baptized. The Apostle Peter, after the Pentecost happens, the Holy Spirit comes on the 120 in the upper room and then pours out into the streets and Peter ends up preaching the gospel and there's great conviction on the people as they hear the truth about Jesus being Messiah, Savior, and Lord. And so here's what happens. The people ask him, him and the other leaders a question. The question is basically, okay, what do we do now? We want to say yes to Jesus as Messiah, as Savior and Lord. We want to say yes. We don't know how to say yes. How do we say yes? Let's just read the passage. Acts 2, 37 through 39. Now, when they heard this, the gospel, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of of your sins, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. So their question is basically this. We've heard the gospel. We've heard the truth about Jesus, the Son of God, died and rose again for our forgiveness of sins. We've heard all this. How do we say yes? How do we say yes to that? Do we say a prayer? Do we raise our hands? Do we walk the aisle? Do we shake the preacher's hand? How do we say yes to repentance and faith in Jesus? How do we say yes? Do we all bow our heads and say a prayer and raise our hands and the preacher says, I see that hand. How do we say yes? That's their question. You know, it's, Peter says basically, here's how you say yes to repentance and faith in Jesus. You repent of your sins and, you, and you're baptized in the name of Jesus. That's how you say yes. He doesn't say that water saves you. He doesn't say this act saves you. He says this is how you say yes. 
Jesus saves you. But this is the God-given way to say yes. And we repent and we believe in Jesus as our Savior and Lord. So how do we say yes? By being baptized. And we see that throughout the book of Acts. The book of Acts knows nothing of an unbaptized believer. It knows nothing. In fact, I think baptism has always been kind of a do you mean it or don't, don't you mean it kind of test. Now, I think it's one thing for someone in the privacy of their own heart to say yes to Jesus but it's another thing to publicly stand up, come out of the shadows, stand up before hundreds of people and say, I believe in Christ and I'm ready to follow him. Very different. Let me just remind you of something Jesus says here in Mark chapter 8, verse 34 through 38. And he, Jesus, summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, if anyone wishes to come after me, that means be my follower. He must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. I mean, when Jesus calls someone in the Gospels, he calls them publicly. Step out of the crowd. In the book of Acts, those who were baptized on that day when Peter preached, some, it's just 3,000 3, men and then women and children and added to that. It was all public. Jesus clearly wants his followers to be unashamed of him and go public. So that ups the ante, doesn't it? I mean, that makes you do a gut check. You know, do I really believe this? Do I believe this enough to go public? And you see, I think that's precisely one of the functions of baptism. It serves kind of as a form of accountability, asking the question, do you mean this enough to go public? Or do you want to stay hidden, safe in the shadows and... Maybe be a closet Christian or even a counterfeit Christian. So which is it? I mean, I think we need to make no mistake about it. Jesus himself is commanding those who want to be his followers to go public. Jesus says, don't be ashamed of me or I'll be ashamed of you. I mean, this is a powerful thing he says. If you want to be my follower, you really believe in me, do you really mean it? Then go public, be baptized. Introverts as well as extroverts. And even more than that, after he rises from the dead and before he ascends into heaven, he tells his disciples that their mission includes baptizing people, having people go public. People who've truly repented and believed go public. In fact, it becomes the kind of initiatory right of the Christian to do this baptism. Again, a familiar passage. Around here you see it, you hear it constantly. We take very seriously this mission. Matthew 28, 18, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations doing what? Baptizing them. 
the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I commanded you, along with you always, even to the end of the age. And so we see that this is really the way you say yes to Jesus. In fact, I want you to look at it this way. How can you say yes to Jesus as Savior and Lord, Lord, and then say no to the very first command he gives you? How does that compute? Yes, Jesus, you are Lord. I'll follow you. Whatever you say goes. First thing he says, be baptized. Nope. I think I'll take a pass on that one. And so it's really important that we understand, really, if we want to follow the pattern of obedience, we want to follow the pattern we see in the book of Acts, we want to not be ashamed, go public, that we are baptized after truly repenting and believing in Jesus. And so let me just answer a few questions that come up, because I've, I've heard these questions for decades. One question I, I hear regularly is about baptizing babies. Now, the biblical answer to that question is that baptism is to be administered to those who are old enough to recognize their sinfulness, mature enough to understand what Christ has done for them on the cross, and responsible enough to make a solid decision to trust Christ and to choose to follow him the rest of their life. By the way, for, for whoever's, you know, whatever it's worth to you, there's, there's not a single clear reference in the Bible to a baby being baptized. Not one clear reference in the entire Bible. And almost every time baptism is mentioned in the New Testament, it's attached to the command to first repent. Humble yourself, trust in what Jesus has done for you on the cross as Savior, and Lord, then be baptized. So obviously that takes a certain amount of maturity to be able to make that decision. At Grace Community Church, we do not baptize babies. We have something we call baby dedication or dedication of children, very different. In fact, we just had this, you know, this last week where we looked at this whole idea of families that are coming with their child and dedicating their child and themselves to the Lord to raise this child in the ways of the Lord, asking for prayer and support, that this child will one day grow up and decide on their own free will to repent and believe in Jesus and follow him as the Savior and Lord of their life. But that is not baptism. That is a time of dedication. That doesn't save the child. It is when someone who truly repents and believes in Jesus and then says yes to him. And uh, we see that in the book of Acts is by being baptized. That is what we want to see happen. Now, we also advise those who are, have been baptized as babies. And, and I, have, I have this question constantly. Well, I was christened as a child. I was baptized as a baby or I was baptized as... And do I need to be baptized again? I'd say, well, what happened to you is what happened to me. My parents brought me as a baby to a church that believed in baby baptism. I was baptized just like their parents took them one day, and they were baptized or christened. But then I, when I was 19 years old and understood what the Bible said about following Jesus, I realized that there was something really, it's really believer's baptism is what the Bible teaches, and I needed to go ahead and obey the Lord and that and be baptized. But still, even though I knew that, there's two things that held me back for two years. Those two, th two things were, number one was I was concerned about offending my parents. And I hear that a lot. I don't want to offend my parents. I say, well, I, I don't want you to offend your parents either, but I think more importantly, don't offend God. And so I did. I took my parents to lunch, and so I thanked them for how they raised me. They taught me right and wrong. 
And I just wanted them to know that I totally respect them and honor them, but I, I am going to be baptized. And they said, fine with us. But I, was, I just wanted to be respectful, and, 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 and I just wanted them to know my, my appreciation to them. No disrespect intended, but I have to obey the Lord. And but there's something else that kept me from being baptized as a college student, and that was I'd already quickly kind of became one of the student leaders of our campus ministry. And then I, was, I let pride hold me back because I didn't want the other leaders to know I hadn't even yet been baptized. So I let pride hold me back for two more years. And that happens a lot. Or a lot of people think, well, you know, I never was baptized since truly repenting and believing in Jesus, but it's kind of late now, Gary. And, I, you know, so plus I don't want people to know I'm embarrassed. I'm a leader. I lead this ministry, that ministry. I still haven't been baptized. I'd say, this is all pride. It's all pride. Just humble yourself and obey the Lord. I really appreciate that Samson, who stood up here just a little while ago, our college pastor, and, and led our devotion time. He was a college pastor, and, and, and just not long ago, it was a couple months ago, so he got baptized here. He said, you know, I was baptized as a baby, but I, not as a believer, and I want to get that right. And I tell you, my respect for him didn't go down, it went up, because he's willing to humble himself. So I was, I was baptized in a little country church as a college student. And it was a wonderful experience with people and as I gave my testimony and honored the Lord. There's another question I just want us to briefly answer about baptism, and that is this question. If a person refuses to be baptized, will that cause him to forfeit his salvation? Another question I hear a lot. By the way, that question has always bothered me. Not because it's hard to answer. That's not why it bothers me. It bothers me about that question is what's usually behind that question. What's usually behind that question is a person who says, who really wants to avoid being baptized. And what I want to say to that person is, let me get this straight. So Jesus goes to the cross, dies this excruciating, painful death, takes the sins of the world upon himself, absorbs the shame and the guilt, all your judgment, all that. And you have a mind to say, I'll take this gift of salvation, but I'm not about to go public. Stand in front of hundreds of people. And I'm thinking, seriously? All he did for you, and you, you won't even do that? Seriously? True believers not only offer their sins to Christ as a point, at their point of repentance, but they also yield their will to Christ to follow him. And the first thing he says as a follower is be baptized. So I just don't see, I don't know how you can say yes to Jesus and then shake your fist and say no to the first thing he asks you to do. I just don't understand. It doesn't compute. And yet it happens with so many. The true heart of a believer is, look, I can't, I'd love to have the opportunity to stand in front of I don't care how many people and give glory to Christ for what he's done for me. I'd be happy to be baptized and stand and give my testimony because of what Jesus has done for me. So in a way, baptism is the first obedience test of a Christian. And so any person who claims to be a believer in Christ and shakes their fist at the first test of obedience, I think is in deep trouble. I think that's deep deception going on. In fact, I just got to tell you honestly, if you press me on this, if you press me on a person who says no to the first thing Jesus asked them to do, if you press me on it, I'd say, I don't even think they're really a Christian. 
I don't think, how can you say yes to Jesus and then say no to the first thing he asks you to do? I just don't see that. A third quick question I want to answer, and that is the mode of baptism. Do we dunk or do we sprinkle? The word baptizo was a marketplace word before it was a religious word. In the marketplace, you wanted a bolt of blue cloth. You went down to one vendor, got the cloth. You went down to another vendor who had vats of dye, and you took the whole bolt of cloth, you stuck it in the vat of dye, and it went and white came out blue, and it was called baptizo. Because you went in and you came out one way, you come out the other way, changed. And that is the picture. The picture is you go one way, the old person is dead and buried, and you come up newness of life now in Jesus. Let's read Romans 6, 3, and 4. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ, Jesus, have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we've been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. So it's a beautiful picture of going underwater, the old Jews dead and buried, all your sins washed away, come up newness of life and resurrection power. I love, that, I love what one Japanese uh, brother said one Sunday they got baptized here at Grace. Right before we baptized me, he said, I want you to hold me underwater for four seconds. We said, okay, why? He said, because four is a number for death in Japan. And I want to be held under for four seconds to remember that my old life is dead, buried. Let me find a final question is, where should I be baptized? I've baptized people in the ocean, in the lake, in a river, in a hot tub, in a pool. But I think the, my favorite is seeing people baptized right here where we can all join in the celebration. And so, so in two weeks, we're going to have, on Super Bowl Sunday, we're going to have a super baptism service. And I'll tell you what, we've had several of these over the years. One Sunday, we baptized 53. One Sunday, we baptized 62. One Sunday, we baptized 75. One Sunday, we baptized 88. One Sunday, we baptized 92. And I believe there is a lot of people here in this room, online, next service, next service online, that need to be baptized and part of this super baptism service. So I want to ask you this question. Now, honestly, ask yourself, listen to the question. Because if you answer this question, it answers so many other questions. Have you been baptized since truly repenting and believing in Jesus as your Savior and Lord of your life? Have you been baptized since that moment? The answer is, well, I was baptized as a baby. I say, that doesn't count. Well, I was baptized when I was 12, but I didn't understand what I was doing. My friends were getting baptized. It doesn't count. I was baptized when I was 16, but I felt pressure from my parents. That doesn't count. If you, if you didn't understand it, it wasn't baptism. You just got wet. And so have you been baptized since truly repenting and believing in Jesus as your Savior and your Lord? The answer is no. Then you need to be part of this baptism service in two weeks. And 
It's going to be a glorious time. You definitely want to be part of this. In fact, I want to give you just a taste of it for a moment. So go ahead and run that video of one of our super baptism services. Morning, everybody. Today is an exciting day because today we're going to witness a whole bunch of people being baptized. We've got almost 50 people being baptized in the two services this morning. And every one of these people is, through their baptism, proclaiming that Jesus is their master. hit us hard, the ways of this world got the best of us and separated our family, got divorced and everything. By God's grace and mercy, he restored our marriage, restored our family. God is good. I want to ask uh, if you didn't get one of these cards, I want to ask the ushers to come down here and hospitality team already down. So if you didn't get one of these cards, come in, just raise your hand as they come through. And if you need a pen, there's pens and they, they have the, um, with the pens in the seat back in front of you, you can grab those pens. Guys, if you haven't 
If you haven't been baptized since truly repenting and believing in Jesus, be part of this baptism service. Raise your hand and grab one of these. But right now, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up too because we're going to give you time to fill these out even right now. And so worship team, come on up. We're going to take time to fill these out during this last song. And then we're going to ask you guys to, to turn them in before you go. And I'll mention something about this again next week. But next Sunday, between 4 and 5 p.m. next Sunday afternoon, we're going to have a time of just talking to everybody who's going to be part of the service and make sure you know everything that you need to uh, understand and be, and, uh, be prepared to do and, and bring so forth next Sunday, 4 to 5, here in this room. But if you didn't get one of these, make sure you get one. And uh, we're gonna, I'm going to pray in just a moment, and then I'm going to give you time just to fill this out. Again, you know, don't put this off. If, uh, if you need to do this, let's do it this time. It's going to be a blast to be part of this service. Those of you online and you don't have access to this, I urge you to be part of this as well and to call the church office tomorrow morning and to let them know you want, you want to be part of this service. Let me pray. Father, we thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying for our sins on the cross, Lord, and giving us this gift of your righteousness. And I pray, Lord, that you'd enable us now to really obey you. Give us the grace to all obey you in this. And Lord, and we pray for just that blessing that you promised, Lord, for all those who do. In the name of Jesus.